0: I mean, like from episode one. Yeah, from episode one, her age was being harped on. Yes,
1: and the fact that she was single and thirty-seven. Yes, like we were in the unseen. We are off the map, past therapy dragons, <laughs> and she was floating alone in a little canoe in the unsea of undesirability. Really, <laughs> with her vagina full of cobwebs, yeah, just like giant spiders. <laughs> Nyang SAO! Welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, romance novelists and your K-Romance guides. So grab some duck bokeh and listen to your new favorite anise.
0: Hey, Amy. (laughs) I was all prepared, like you were going to say, hey,
1: everybody, and I was going to just pause. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Leah. So, Megan, I mean, for those who listen to the pod. You've noticed that, you know, our little friend hasn't been feeling great lately.
0: She said specifically to blame tonight on COVID, but I told her that she would have dropped the drama
1: even without COVID. It's true. So she wasn't loving the drama that we're watching, but also she has been dealing with COVID and just kind of like... Really, it's just been, like, kicking her ass. And for so, two weeks, yeah. For two weeks, she just hasn't been feeling great. So she's not in, like, any danger at the moment. So I don't think folks need to get worried about that. But it's just, like, she feels like crap. And, you know, our thoughts are with our little friend in Pennsylvania. Yes.
0: And the only thing that's soothing her is watching Bad and Crazy. So just so you all know, she, is, she does have a K-drama salve, and she's doing okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. She, I mean, she's, like, slacking us and uh, <laughs> talking about – You know, work all the time. So, I mean, yeah, she's not at Death's (laughs) Door.
0: No, no, she's she's doing her part and still supporting
1: the K-drama universe.
0: She's just not here tonight, and that's okay. We miss her. But uh, we'll be back together next week.
1: So this has been like, energetically a weird week. I mean, like, for me, my work is kind of slowing down quite a lot. I think a lot of people this time of year, that's kind of what happens. And so I work in an educational institution. So, you know, finals have happened, most students have gone home, you know, things are a bit quieter. It's getting dark earlier. And then, like, look, enlistment has happened for BTS. And so it just feels like, okay, so Kim Sook Jin or Jin, the oldest member of BTS, December 13th, he officially enlisted in the army. And look, we need, we need to just talk about it for a minute. We
0: do. We need to unpack a little bit. And that's okay, I think. And like, I'll say this like, I, I don't think that I can wear the full army badge yet. As far as my my fandom for BTS, but I do love them. They are the one. you are uh,
1: allowed to. You can do whatever. You, you know. Can. I know, but I feel like there's
0: different levels. And like I, you know, like I I haven't seen them live yet. I don't What's... I don't know the full experience. But I will say this: Jin is my bias, and. This has been looming. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know what? Everybody has to do it. It's not a big deal. Like I don't freak out when, you know, like Kong Tao goes, like I'm sad that I won't see him for a couple of years, but he's gonna have a military glow up and he's gonna be gorgeous and, you know, stronger for it and, you know, all that fun stuff. But I there's just a certain there's a certain preciousness to BTS as far as we just want to protect them from everything. Correct. You know, and I don't know, I thought it was kind of like in the back of my mind. And then I messaged Leah on Monday morning. So for us, like, so Monday morning was really already the 13th, right in, oh. in, uh in South Korea. So it was already happening. And so I really thought this was in the back of my mind. And then I wake up and I'm like, Oh, my God, I just dreamt the whole night about spending Jin's last day with him. <laughs> Which is amazing. I mean, I am proud of you. (laughs) I mean, I was like embarrassed to tell you about it because this dream felt so real. Like I woke up and I was like, did I just get back from Seoul? (laughs) I was like, I don't know where I am. I was very disoriented. I don't and I don't remember it in detail. But I do know that somehow I found myself in South Korea. And I found myself crossing paths with Kim Suk-jin and for one reason or another, we found each other to be soulmates. And we spent his last day and whatever, you know, together. In this dream, I did not speak Korean, he did not speak English, and it still worked. And it was a beautiful dream. And I don't really know everything that happened, but it felt very, very real. And I woke up like kind of a a little bit despondent, because it was happening. And I didn't know that that was there in me. Like, I really didn't. Like, part of me was like, they all have to do it. We're going to get through it. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, shit is real. And it's affecting me. And this is a person I don't know. Like, it's so weird.
1: Yes. And so for those of you who don't really, like, haven't, like, invested in the BTS experience, which is fine, I think something that makes it a little bit different, too, when a K-drama actor potentially enlists is, and I'm not saying like better or worse at all, like there's no judgment here. It's more that the difference is is that BTS, and they're not alone in this in K-pop, but you know, I'm just going to speak to this group. They have lived for the last 10 years in a very Truman Show-esque life. Yes. Which means that much of their life, not all of their life, but much of their life has been documented and has been put out for public consumption. And we can talk about what's good and what's bad in that (laughs) and, like, how much agency folks have in that, how, you know, as time has gone on, they've, like, had more ability to kind of, like, make choices of, like, what parts of themselves they're representing. But the point is, is that you just see, like, there is enough content that arguably we could watch something new every day until he gets back and be, like, still have time probably. (laughs) And so I think it makes it feel a little bit more of that parasocial relationship of, like, you know, obviously we're not, like, friends with Jin and we, you know, whatever. Like, we can have dreams or whatever. I am. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I feel like we get to see a lot of them, even if it's curated, that gives insights to them and their personality. So you react to them and think about them in a way that is different than I, than I feel like I do for yes. theater actors simply because I'm not seeing them on that. That makes kind a of lot day. of sense. It does. And so, yeah, like if I saw Kong Tao like live 10 years of his life, I might have more of an emotional reaction when he left. And don't get me wrong. If Kong Tao was
0: putting out content every day, I would be all over
1: it. Yeah. I think <laughs> He's just I would not. too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I want to see how he makes his Remyon and like hangs out and plays video games. <laughs> So yeah, so that's what's tricky is that, so how I felt that day is I woke up feeling kind of nothing. Like, and that's often where I go emotionally, like that disassociated state (laughs) when um, like bigger things are happening. So I really felt nothing. I accessed no real emotions about it. But as the day kind of kept going and, you know, I knew that on Monday, like, you know, it's Tuesday in South Korea. He's going to enlist at some point in the day and we're going to hear about it. As it went on, it started to feel very ritualized. Like he made a statement that was basically like, it's time for the final curtain call and like posted that. And I was like, I'm starting to feel as if this is what it must've been like in like, King Henry VIII's England as there's like executions and it's very ritualized. <laughs> like I was just thinking about how like there are all these steps of like these like norms that like somehow everyone agrees to that seem very like his final goodbye and I was like oh my gosh for like weeks we've been doing this. Like right. the final song, the final show, the final live, the final statement to fans and then there's like the convoy that like goes into the barracks where he's doing his training, all the members are there you don't see anything you just see the cars and like the windows all blacked out then we get the photo of like all the members with their hands on his shaved head then we get him walking away i was like oh my god like i feel like i'm in like some sort of fucking like yeah i don't know. all i was thinking of was like watching the tutors you know back in you know however long 10 years ago and like watching like the anne boleyn execution where it was like how wild is it that you like walked out to do this thing and You know, you're going to die. Like, not right. And there's an audience. And you have to do all these things. Like, you have to, like, forgive the king and take your dress, like, you know, move your fancy dress stuff off. So tie your hair back. And I was like, oh, I feel like it's like this. It's like there's like these very ritualized steps to the process, which felt wild and which, you know, old timer. K pop folks, they're like, yeah, yeah, we've been through this before. Look, it's new for me. So I was a bit like, holy shit, this feels weird.
0: Agree. And again, like, I was surprised by my own sort of subconscious reaction to it because I didn't think I was going to react.
1: I hope you get to have more dreams because the other thing that I'm just going to say here is I look, I've had a dream and I've disclosed it to you (laughs) just before the show. I'm not going to get into it too much in the pod. I've had a little spicy dream once, but Really, I don't tend to have dreams like that in general. Yeah,
0: this dream was not not spicy. It was very wholesome with, you know. yeah.
1: Okay, so I'm not trying to limit that. Yeah, okay. So I've had a spicy dream. I don't think I've had really many. I've had like a few wholesome-ish dreams. Um, But I'm trying to think, like, it seems very unfair that I have this brain that has the capacity to do so much and that I can't just be like, brain, it's time to go to bed. Tonight, I want to order up, like, you know, I'm gonna take Megan, because she's not here, I'm gonna steal one of her boyfriends. So I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna take Hyun tonight. Like, I dial him up on my brain. That would be amazing. I'd like to go to bed, put that file in my brain, and I'd like to see what we come up with in my subconscious. Why, why, why does my brain not do that? My brain's just like, it has nothing, or I just have stress dreams where I'm still at university. And I'm like, I'm meant to graduate, but I still haven't taken like one class. So I'm one credit short. Do you still have like you missed your finals dream? I have, yeah, that I'm a credit, one to three credits short of graduation. (laughs) I have that dream like once a month.
0: Oh my gosh. I don't think I've had that in a long time.
1: Where I'm like, what the fuck? Like this is a failure to, I mean, yeah. So anyway, if anyone has the ability to kind of dial in their brain to like set the tone for great dreams. Cause I mean like often I'm watching. You're supposed to be able
0: to like the, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to get like all like woo woo with everybody everybody here, but like in what I, you know, in what I've read about like manifesting and stuff like that, you're supposed to be able to manifest while you sleep, but you have to think about the thing before you, like you have to concentrate on thinking about the thing before you go to bed. So have you actually tried to think about Dreaming about Anbohyan? Like try you
1: know it. I'm gonna try it this week. I will report next back next week. Okay. And every night I'm going to go to bed and set my intention as I'm falling asleep heavily on some creative being. I don't know. I'll see what I'm in the mood for as I'm like getting ready for bed. Yeah. And I will report back and tell you if anything interesting happens. Okay. So everyone sit at the end of your seats for whatever. Dirty dream, my brain's gonna cough up here. And if my kids are listening, I'm so sorry. She's gonna dream that Anvoyan was
0: proctoring her final and she missed it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean if he could be like dressed as he was in descendants of the sun, which was not in much, then like that's fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was dressed in even less in uh Edomon class when he was Doing those push-ups, so.
1: Or in uh, her private life when he's taking a sad shower.
0: Oh, sad shower.
1: Look, Yeah, I really do love him. And Megan doesn't get to call dibs on him always because he just is a really interesting and cool person. Sad shower,
0: ungi. Like, bring it.
1: Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we have talked about, like, what brings, you know, we want to have a little romance in our dreams. A little fantasy and a little romance. There's
0: nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah. I just Especially, wanted to be with somebody.
0: I just, I would say I just wanted to be with somebody who I could not biologically have birthed, even if I was, you know, just a teen.
1: <laughs> right. So, you know what? Set that intention for yourself. Let's see what you come yes. back with. You, you do it too. Let's see. Okay. Let's do it. Let's not communicate on this topic again. Okay. And the next week we can share our results freak Megan out, and hear where we both got. But like, let's not talk about this whole week.
0: I mean, how am I How am I sleeping next to – I'm moving out of the way so Leah can see – I'm in my room. She can see my bed <laughs> behind me. How am I sleeping next to a double-sided Lehman Ho pillow and having zero Lehman Ho dreams is what I want to know.
1: Yeah, so we – Yeah, tell a little bit about why you were sleeping next to – Yes,
0: so I did um, not just go and purchase myself a Lehman Ho pillow. I would never do such a thing. But if somebody purchases a Lehman Ho pillow for me, I'm going to – Display it prominently. And so a uh, friend of the pod, Sarah, who everybody knows is K drama this on Instagram, who is a fantastic K drama blogger and also has guested on our podcast before, she had a work trip to Seoul, South Korea. And if anybody could do it upright and do the perfect Seriously. work trip turned into a K-drama fandom trip. She did it. I mean, I was glued to her Instagram for the entire trip and for weeks after as she keeps uploading content. But wonderful and generous as Sarah is, she sent us some gifts for us and some gifts to give away to our listeners, which we are going to be doing soon. But the one that was definitely for me to keep, like you would have to pry it out of my cold dead hands. (laughs) was this Lehman Ho double-sided, like, little throw pillow. And, I mean, my, my 13-year-old son was like, so I see you have a new pillow in your bed. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just happened to, like, come into my room for something. And I'm like, yeah, that's Lehman Ho. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. So he's, I mean, this I, I do not have throw pillows on my bed, but now I do. I have one. And it's, I am not ashamed. <laughs> Mama's got a brand new bag. Yeah. <laughs> And she's not dreaming um, about him yet. So setting my intentions.
1: Setting your intentions. So yeah, big shout out to Sarah. It was not a requirement at all that she had to send us um, anything. And it no. was a humongous delight to receive some treats. And I am not too shy to say what was intended for me because it was ridiculous. And I mean that in like a way that is also the, a synonym for awesome and i got a sugar or a minungi who is my favorite member of bts i got a barbie doll of him <laughs> <laughs> and i mean what do you i just put it i put it i have a shrine now because i am embracing my power as a 43-year-old woman to like what i like without shame And I also have, uh, my own apartment because of my job, which means that I, you know, when I'm on call, I have to live on campus. So I have a campus apartment and I have turned it into my own personal clubhouse with like a record player. I just kind of come up here and go hog wild on like all my stuff. And this entails also having a BTS shrine. And it, it started off with like being like a low key BTS shrine of like seven prayer candles. And I was like, wow, that's a lot for me. Like, wow, I really kind of like went for it with the prayer candles. At this point, Amy, later I will show you, because I don't want to like unplug anything, what it ha- has turned into. its It really is something. <laughs> and um, last weekend, it was raining really hard here. And it doesn't rain hard very often. And I'm in, you know, this is like an older building on campus. And so I was here working and there was a leak. The roof started to leak, which was, you know, it's not my roof. So that's fine. I put out a bucket. But, like, that meant that I had to, like, let the university know that they needed to fix the roof. So they sent me come into your contractors. Yeah. And I also work here, remember. Like, I – so I don't just have a place here. Like, I also i am, like – collegial staff with like some of the maintenance folks or whatever. So I have like seven dudes in my apartment with my Shiga Barbie doll. I have a eight by 10 Shiga picture hanging up. I've got prayer candles. I have a framed picture of g I've got V and leather shorts on a Vogue magazine cover. I have much set out just prominently. And I love it when people just don't say a damn thing. Like they're probably just in their head like, okay. <laughs> and I don't acknowledge it. And nobody no. says anything. It's not your and job to it. acknowledge. Yeah. My cousin's husband came and stayed here for a week recently. Not a word. Not a word about the shrine. Seriously? <laughs> oh no. I, I'm sure it made them very uncomfortable. And I was like, I'm not gonna explain anything. Like, if you want to ask me a question, I will tell you, but I'm not gonna like and I have to work on that. I have to work to not apologize. But I was like, I'm gonna I've made a call that I'm not going to be like, oh, do you see this thing? It's silly because right no don't discount it yeah and i mean like look is it kind of silly to me maybe but like not re- like it's but also it makes awesome. you happy
0: right yeah, like, like happy. if something if something makes you happy and it's not hurting anybody else like that should be that's like the hard and fast rule fuck everybody else like who cares like i'm i mean you're not gonna be able to see but on my shelf behind me it's growing oh you can see gong you so yeah. Sarah also, Sarah, so Sarah let us pick a couple of things out of the stuff that she sent. She's like, you know, pick a couple of things for yourself and, you know, the rest is going to be used for giveaways. So I've also got a Gong Yu calendar and I, I'm not ashamed of that. And it's next to my framed painting of um, Hyun Bin that Megan got us mm-hmm. early on. Also another friend of the pod, Megan, who is actually one of the hosts of Afternoon Army, Um, she sent me a little astronaut ornament
1: yes so i got like a
0: little, little little gin like care package from her so that's up there i mean like i love it it makes me happy it reminds me of this extreme source of joy that we found in late 2020 when things were really really bleak Yes. And it's continued to be this wonderful source of joy. And I'm I'm not, yeah, we, we do not apologize for No, that. we
1: do not apologize for it. And I had an interesting, and then we're going to, you know, we need to move on soon. But I had, I know we I had do. an interesting thing where my daughter the other night was talking to me and being like, I feel like I like things that are weird. And I was like, tell me more. And what she liked was anime, K-dramas, and K-pop. And I was like, <laughs> "Well, I'm not sh- like. Tell me more how that feels weird. Like, what what there feels weird?" And it was that you know within her friend group, that's not like a normal thing to like any of those things. And so she was feeling isolated in it. And I just wanted to be like, you know, look, you have a long way to go till you're 43 and just have a shameless, you know, <laughs> shrine up in your house. But like, my God, how much do we try just from such an early age to like? take away people's joy. And and I I mean, the friends aren't even trying.
0: Cause you, cause you have to fit into this like mold, right? Like you fit into this mold of whatever your, your peer group is. And I, I think a lot of us miss out on a lot when we're younger, because of that, if we're not brave enough, like your daughter is to like the things that you like and, and not hide it, you know? And so I, I think like even now, like I, not everybody in my life knows that I even do this podcast. And then when they do find out, I have to like, I feel like I have to give like a little bit of a a TED talk, you know, to explain why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Why do I spend all this time with K-drama? Why do I watch more, you know, Korean content than I do Western content? And I, I shouldn't have to, but it's, it's that feeling of what I like is very different than what you like. And so let me explain it away, you know, kind of thing mm-hmm. where it should just be like, I love this thing and I talk about it all the time. But I think that's what's really wonderful is that what we've gotten from this pod is that it was just the three of us at first, right? We were like, nobody understands us. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's just us and this little like tiny microcosm who loves this. And then we found a whole community by doing this podcast. Yes. And Bronte will find her community. I mean, or or she will find friends that are hopefully the type of friends that are like, you like what you like, I like what I like, and we can share.
1: Yeah. And that's a big growth that happens. It's just like that middle school brain is very much aligned to social oh, warming and conforming. And so it's really tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, it's hard. So I guess cheers to all of us that we are past middle school and that, you know, we can all be Celebrating our own coolness, however, that looks. Even if it's a shrine. Correct. <laughs> shrines, all shrines welcome. All shrines here. welcome here. But do you know what's not welcome here?
0: <laughs> Sometimes some dramas are not welcome here.
1: <laughs> dramas that romantically make me feel a bit dry. Yeah, wanting. Yeah. So let's get into it for today. I think we've been like <laughs> chatting to avoid the elephant in the room, which is gonna I, suck you know, which is gonna suck the fun out. See what I did here? Agree. Yeah. We're talking about love is for suckers, y'all.
0: We are. And look, let's just start by saying if you enjoyed this drama, good. Like we, we want you to have enjoyed this drama. Um there are things about this drama that we did enjoy, but it did not pay off the way we hoped it would going into it. And so that's kind of where we are today. So let's just jump into it, because of course, we always start without spoilers. So let's get into just a little bit of trope talk. So let's talk about a romance trope, Best Friends to Lovers, which is what this drama has. I've written it, I've read it, I've watched it. And while I do enjoy it, the one thing I found as a common thread, even in my own writing of the trope, is that more often than not, In a friends to lovers scenario, at least one friend has kind of always had feelings for the other, which means that even while they've been friends, at least one has been pining, possibly for years. Maybe it's timing, maybe it's fear, but for one reason or another, the two people in question have never gotten together until something pushes them to act. And that's where we get like our books or our dramas or whatever that have this trope. It's like, what is the catalyst that finally makes somebody like step out, you know, from the wings and be like, actually, I love you. So Leah, I know that you have thoughts
1: on this trope. I do. And I think, okay, let's just go with that. Like very, I think like well tread question of can two people who share the same sexuality and are not unattractive, and have common interests, just be friends. It's basically the when Harry met Sally question. Which is like
0: one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. And but it's but it does it it deals with this like
1: can you be friends? Yeah, can you just be friends? So I think that first, what makes me think about this from like a writer's lens is, you know, rather than starting with the friends to lovers trope, which is what this was, is I want to talk first about enemies to lovers, which is, you know, the reverse of it. And I think we see that, you know, a lot more often in months. And a truth bomb that I saw recently <laughs> attached to enemies for lovers that I thought was really interesting, and I don't think I've ever quite gotten it out of my head, like I think about this a couple times a week, is one reason why enemies to lovers may be so popular is the idea that someone can see you at your worst and still love you. And I was like, oh, like that's like a powerful thing. Also, there's just innate conflict built in to two people who, you know, are in adversity coming together and falling in love. Like that, like the plot can build into that really quickly. I think it's a lot more complicated when we have friends to love. Her. So I mean, can it be healthier and potentially less toxic? Yes, because these are people who started off as, you know acquaintances are friends like buddies and so they have things in common they like each other they respect each other but the thing is is like my question is always like but why why are they only getting together now now? why now yeah like is this because like one of them feels like they're settling is it the time it's usually the timing and one person's been pining um you know you kind of talked about that and pining can be hot but it can also be kind of frustrating to like the reader or the viewer i think as well But I feel like, you know, settling and timing are not very romantic options, and it feels like it can just be a little bit dull sometimes. So, you know, the things that can make it fun are, like, did one of them, like, see the other do something unexpectedly super sexy? Like, did we have, like, a Mr. Darcy in the rain kind of moment, and all of a sudden they're like, holy shit, I never saw you like that before. But I think there's always in the back of my mind, like, you never really thought about it ever. Like, maybe I'm just like, I don't know. I'm like, you never really did? Like, really? And I mean, do I have male friends? Of course I have male friends. But I would say that my male friends are generally partnered with like my other friends (laughs) and so like that leaves me not really and so i mean i'm not trying to like put this in too much to say like it's impossible but i'm just saying that like when i look around my life right now i was trying to be like okay like who are my guy friends like who are my buds like who i must have like a guy friend right that's like just a friend and i was like i mean i work with a lot of queer men but that's different i work with a lot of non-binary folk that's different i have friends who i might hang out with even like you know like, go do something, but they're married to usually another one of my friends. And like, obviously, could that get problematic? I mean, not in this case, none of these cases, but like, in life, could it? Sure. But like, in my cases, no. And then I was like, well, shit, man, like, I don't really have, (laughs) once I've done that, like, you know, like, my best friend is a gay man. So yes, I have like, male friends, but I don't have like, I don't have like a single hot dude friend That's just like, I'm like, oh, I've never considered you before. You're just out there living your life. I'm just saying it just doesn't happen to me.
0: Okay, so I'm going to quibble with one thing that you said, because I don't think that friends to lovers has to, and I I know you're not saying this is what it always is, but I don't, I've never seen friends to lovers as settling. What I do think as far as timing, I think it's, I think when we do see friends to lovers in, and I'm talking about in entertainment, Mm -hmm. because not in real life, because- I don't, off the top of my head, I don't know anybody who was just like BFFs and all of a sudden they fell in love. Or maybe I do, but I just don't know it off, you know, right now. But anyway, I see it more as, you know, you're afraid to admit those feelings. It's easier to just be friends, especially when it happens younger. And and we can talk about it, you know, in terms of the drama, because this isn't a spoiler, but the two main characters in the drama are friends for like 20 years before anything happens. And so they, you know, they meet when they're like in their late teens mm-hmm. and, and sometimes you're not brave enough to act on your feelings then. Mm-hmm. And then you do kind of just fall into that friend zone until, you know, like I said, like there's some sort of catalyst. Where maybe they're about to commit to a lifelong relationship, you know, or or something like that. What makes you finally say, okay, this is, if I don't shoot my shot, I'm never going to get the chance again.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's reasonable. So usually one of them is pining. I'd say settling is very like uncommon in romance. So I apologize for bringing that up. But pining, someone pining, yes. However, usually there's a one person who's like oblivious. Yes. Agreed. And I find that to be always straining my credulity that you never I mean did I have guy friends in college? Yes. Did I hook up with most of them a little bit? Also yes. (laughs) (laughs) I just, you know what I mean? Look, I'm I don't want to get emails and like people writing being like, well, look, I've had just like a friend. Like I believe it exists. Like it must exist. Right. I'm just saying I don't think that when I see the scenarios, I'm always a little suspicious that like Somebody's just never been like, oh, like especially if it's uh like a sexy, like an objectively very attractive person, which is right. what we're getting usually in fantasy spaces. Right. So yeah, so then it becomes like what's the conflict keeping them apart? It better it better be something pretty interesting and compelling. And yeah, we'll see. Was this did that meet the test in this one? Yeah.
0: Well, there's a lot to talk about as far as did it meet expectations, but <laughs> Let's give like just a little overview of the drama. So, yes, Leah mentioned that we're talking about Love is for Suckers with Lee Dahi is Guya Rum, a PD whose shows keep getting canceled, and Tracy Wan as Park Jae Hoon, a neurosurgeon who left the hospital after a traumatic incident that made him question his worth as a doctor. The two have been best friends for 20 years and live on the bottom and top floors of the same sort of like two flat. And when Guyol-Rum's team is desperate to fill the final spot for its upcoming dating reality show, Kingdom of Love Season 2, she enlists Park Ji-hoon to do her a solid, and he does, even though he's the one who's been pining. So that's where we'll hit the pause button, because as always, we start by talking about the drama with no spoilers. Then we give you a heads up when we're ready to enter Spoiler Town, so you can pause and go watch the drama if you want to
1: um if you don't want to know what comes next and look can i jump in for a second because i just had a thought and i was like you know because i was also like god i'm being such a hater and like i know that i don't just like always hate friends to lovers like there are good examples and then one like perfect example just hit me which i think will be maybe a good comparison i hadn't intended to do this but maybe in this drama i can kind of unpack some of it and that is going back to hospital playlist one and two where we have yeah. june and songhua our two doctors and part of the re- like did they have feelings for each other when they were younger yeah they did like they both acknowledged yes. that like the there was a spark however the male doctor ikjun his bestie also had a spark for the girl and he kind of was like look i'm not gonna let this get away as a friendship we're just gonna like he stepped aside yeah put these feelings and like you know it never worked out between the other two but like at that point then it became now you're almost just like so important to me and this friend group is so important to me that I don't know how to like get around that because now what we have is kind of working so well that I am really scared to lose that. And that I think is the real risk in a good friends to lovers is like,
0: if yeah. it doesn't work
1: out, the conflict is like, this could be a profoundly affecting thing in your life because this person's so important to you. So if it doesn't work out, like I could really fuck things. Right. Then you don't have them in your life at And all. that one I bought- Like, I completely believe that. And that was enough to- What about Fight
0: for My Way? Fight for My Way is another one. Yeah,
1: look, I mean, like, there we go. That's another really good one. It works. Yeah. And that one was even more interesting because I could believe, and this is a straining of credulity, that the heroine was not looking at Park Sejun romantically. And that's amazing (laughs) that, like, that was possible. (laughs) Right, right, right. it i believed given the dynamic and how they set it up that she you know and they'd known each other from such a young age and like that she kind of like mommed him so much that she almost hadn't gotten to where she was seeing him as like the whole man he was and that worked and also honestly ita won class with this a little bit and that like we had the one pining for the other and it takes him until the end to kind of get out of his own head but i also believed, given his circumstances and this not everyone right. believes this, like it didn't work for megan but i believe it worked for me So I guess I'm just trying to like unpack that. Like, yes, I feel like friends to lovers can work and it can work in ways that I really like. But in this one, the setup matters. The setup setup matters matters and the characterizations matter. Absolutely.
0: The chemistry has to be there as friends, but also have that potential for more where you believe like you need to believe them as friends in order for there to even be a conflict of, oh, my gosh, what if we take this further and it doesn't
1: work out kind of thing. Yes. And you have to want them to. You have to be like, oh, my God, I yes. want you to be together. And
0: I don't know if I ever right. really felt like that.
1: <laughs> no, I was going to say, in,
0: in order to do that, you need to create tension. And in order to create that tension, you have to have the characters playing opposite each other on the screen. And for, you know, like 12 episodes in this drama, they did it. Yeah, so barely we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. So if you've listened to the pod for a while, you know that your nunas talk a lot about our floor, which is our age floor. Basically, how low... Can we go? (laughs) How low can we go? We're playing a little bit of limbo here. With how low we can go with actors that we find attractive and still not be considered dirty ajumas. Hence, you know, my
1: wholesome dream about Kim think I think that I'm just kind of like on that. Like, I'm not full dirty, but I'm definitely like gardening without gloves.
0: Well, I mean, like, look, in our defense... It's not our fault. Like, True. we blame people like Rowoon, <laughs> Kong Tao, and, like, BTS. Mm. So when we heard about a new drama where the characters and actors were well into their 30s, which still is younger than us, mm-hmm. we were excited. This is not to say that there are no other dramas out there about adults dealing with adulting. But it, I feel like it had been a while since we'd watched, like, just a straight-up romance about straight-up grown-ups. Mm-hmm. So we were pumped. Yes. But what I find curious is how Yoram, at a whopping 37, in this drama, like, age is a big deal. And at a whopping 37, she's often treated like she's like one step away from being Miss Havisham. Mm. I don't think I'm alone here. Like, what do you think about the treatment of age? Like, I I think about being 37. I was like, I was a baby when I was
1: 37. Well, if you are part of this drama, if you are 37, I'd say that you are teetering on a cliff of becoming a sexless hag spinster with a vagina full of cobwebs and a herd of cats. (laughs) And these cats are only there to wait for your eventual death, where you're going to die alone and unfucked, and they're going to eat your lonely corpse. I mean, they made it seem like... It was fucked. Like she was. Like done. She, it was bleak. The outlook was bleak. Done. Hope gone. The gates of Mordor, just like, you know, put your. Just take your vagina and dig a hole and put up in a <laughs> monument.
0: <laughs> I mean, like from episode one. Yeah. From episode one, her age was being harped on. Yes. And the fact that she was single and 37. Yes.
1: Like we were in the unsea. We are off the map, past There Be Dragons, and she was floating alone in a little canoe in the unsea of undesirability. Really.
0: <laughs> with her vagina full of cobwebs. Yeah, just
1: like giant spiders. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this is not to say that I couldn't get past that and you know and go with the drama because I did find It charming as well in the first few episodes. And so even though we had, you know, Guyo Rum is being treated like a, you know, a sexless hag, I was still on board. Hmm. But then the pacing kind of the pacing kind of took a turn for me. Like without getting spoilery yet, the first four episodes work as exposition, mainly for Guyo Rum. Like it's
1: it's pretty much her story in the first four episodes, don't you think? Yes. And I would say not particularly interesting for me. Like it was okay.
0: Well, I mean we'll we'll get into it when we get into the spoilery section, but I I don't know I don't know if you saw in our script, but I brought up the idea of plot moppet because yes. really we had a plot moppet for the first oh, we episodes. did. And we'll get there. We'll get there. So plot moppets, if you didn't listen to our plot moppet episode. Oh, that was for the I think that was for the patreon anyway, wasn't it? Yes. It might have been for the Patreon. It was a Patreon snack. So a plot, why don't you, you define plot Muppet because you, you do this.
1: One. Um, plot Muppets, I mean, often they're regarded as like children, which is like the Muppet idea of like, you know, it is a character that kind of is just there stuck in to create some sort of conflict, but they're often a very one dimensional character. There's not a lot of depth. They're there just to cause like some sort of drama in the plot. And that's about it. And often I think you can see them get used more towards like the saggy middle of a story where, you know, you're kind of like, you've done the setup and now you're kind of like not sure where to go before like the end is like the payoff is happening. So there's some sort of plot moppet drama in the middle. Interesting choice, the plot moppet And this happens at the very beginning and then we're kind of like <laughs> done with them.
0: <laughs> yeah. So literally like it's a character who's just a vehicle for one of the leads To have a conflict. That's it. The way that this works is we have these first four episodes of exposition for Guya rom and then, like, the latter 12 are all while they're filming Kingdom of Love Season 2.
1: Which is a reality dating show.
0: Yes. So it's a show about a reality dating show. All right, let's talk about the leads. Because I was excited for this, and and I know that you were too. Like, this is my first choicey one drama. But you fell for his portrayal of the second lead and she was pretty. Like you wrote it. That was your first SOS. It wasn't was, and it? I
1: felt very strongly. I had a huge emotional reaction to watching She Was Pretty. And I had one of the worst cases of second male lead syndrome I've ever probably the worst case I've ever had. And that is And that's even having him up against Park Jr yes, too. Yes. I mean, I was like without hyperbole a situation where, like, I could have just picked up my laptop and, like, Hulk thrown it across the room. Like, I was just, like, two in the morning, like, no, at the end, like, very upset. (laughs) (laughs) So here's what's interesting, though, is that, like, that, I loved that. I loved that drama. I loved, well, I didn't love the drama, but I loved him and his character and how he played it. And I was really into it. And so, like, with all faves, I'm like, oh, I got to learn a little more. So this is where I want to give a disclosure that I am carrying very, very clear bias in this drama as well. And I'm going to talk about it here because it did impact how I approached the drama. I could separate it to a point to find fault that was beyond like my bias. But I want to talk about like, okay, so you know, when you find someone, you're like, oh my gosh, like I need to learn more about them. Google, 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 Google. So in this case, I was like, there's a lot here that I'm not loving. And now, and then I was like, oh, there's a lot here I'm really like disliking. So basically uh, this actor, uh, Siwon, he was also in Super Junior, which is a uh, popular K-pop group. He's made a lot of problematic statements over his uh, tenure from, you know, affirming that he believes that marriage should be between a man and a woman, which, you know, I'm not loving the homophobia in general. I'm really not liking it in, you know, an industry like K-pop. Like, just really, like, that was unlikable. He, um, he's a very big Ronald Reagan fanboy, which, like, no, not to me. He has gone on social media and liked posts with Donald Trump and Ted Cruz And I mean, at that point, like there's another pod out there called Grown-Ass Fandom, which sometimes I listen to and I enjoy. And they talk about fantasy spaces and describe it as you build kind of sex castles of fantasy about people. And so it'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm really like vibing on, like for you, Jin, And I've got like myself, like a big old Disney sex castle going right now for Jin. So for me, I was like... I kind of had been, like, erecting a well-fortified, like, French chateau for (laughs) Siwan, And by the time I kind of got into all of this and, like, saw that he was, like, an Elon Musk fanboy and, like, liking Donald Trump and Ted Cruz eating dinner together on Twitter, I mean, it was, like, somebody in my medieval chateau. You can
0: only suspend your, yeah.
1: Yeah, somebody in my medieval chateau lit a fire and it was, like, rubble and then i kind of just like let it go and walked away i was like nope my sex castle is done like this is not for me i am out and so when i saw this drama come back i was like oh but also like God, he is real cute so maybe i can just like get over it because and
0: i didn't know any of this stuff when this drama came out either yes and so what happened was the first couple of episodes i'm like i knew that you liked him from she was pretty Mm -hmm. and i was like oh my gosh this man is charming as fuck yeah and so what do i do i google 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 and then i text you and i was like
1: leah is this like is this is this real and you're like yeah i was like oh (laughs) yeah 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 there's a lot of icky things here with this dude and look you may be listening at home and being like you know what fuck off i love donald trump and ted cruz and you know what This is my podcast. We're not building sex castles about you though. And this is my podcast and I'm allowed to feel the way I do politically. And I'm allowed to say, you know what? Like it is hard for me. It is impossible for me to find someone attractive if I know that they're actively looking to support things that hurt people I care about and contribute to a world that I do not value. And so I was unable to come into this drama and say, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy the ride of a rom-com because every time I saw him, I'd be like cute and really like, yeah, really, really like, and I just could never get past it. And so that's the whole thing. I'm going to disclose that that really is something that, you know, you could be very much disagreeing with at home and thinking you should be able to separate this all. I cannot. And it's just a reality and I have to acknowledge it. And I think it's fine for any of us to walk into whatever
0: entertainment we're consuming with whatever outside baggage we bring to it. Maybe you bring none, and maybe you bring a ton, and that's fine. And we're all coming at this from different experiences, and it's going to cause us to have a different experience while we're watching a drama. And that's why we don't all love the same things, and that's okay. And so once again, if you loved this drama, if you love, you know, Siwan,
1: That is your right to do so. Yep. Just like it's my right to say no. Yeah. I was going to say, it's our right that if, if
0: knowing some of the things that he does in his real life affects the way that we see him on screen, then so be it. Like, I'm not able to separate that. However, I am able to look at the drama itself, I think, as objectively as possible as far as the story of it. And despite all of the things that we've said so far, there is stuff that we did enjoy, but there is stuff that we we pick apart as well that has nothing to do with Siwan. So there you go.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's it. So we're gonna be able to talk about it without this, but I did want to put it out there in just like the nature of disclosure, because I do think that, you know, we do approach our entertainment through personal lenses. And I think that that it's responsible to acknowledge that in critique. Yes.
0: So one like quick thing
1: before we get into spoilers. So this is a drama
0: about a dating reality show. And it stars Lee Dahi, who is one of the commentators or hosts of an actual reality dating show Singles Inferno and the new, you know, season two that just dropped the first two episodes as of right now, um, Singles Inferno 2. Because I did not watch Singles Inferno 1, but I will be diving into Singles Inferno 2 because it's too meta for me not to. I just want to know, because I don't know what's going to happen when I watch Singles Inferno, how much similarity do you see in what we saw in the drama compared to
1: what you saw in an actual Korean dating show? I think that's a good question. And for me, I would say, you know, there were some good comparisons, although I'm out as enjoying Singles Inferno for what it is. (laughs) Um, And so, but I mean, like, I guess (laughs) I'm not seeing any of the ick that's happening backstage. But, you know, dating shows rely on sensationalism. And that was very much the same for both, uh, you know, both shows uh, or the show, you know, and the drama and also Singles Inferno is there's a lot of sensationalism and there's a lot of, you're not doing these dramas to like, look at the whole person and all their many features and facets, are you? You're the point is to kind of be like, you're the person that does X and this is your kind of character archetype. And we're going to like, watch you through that lens. And that's what gives it sort of the mindless element. I will say that in Singles, like, we do see Lita He, like, wanting to, like, bring in humanity sometimes more to the show. And I think in Singles Inferno, we do see, like, moments of, I mean, do we see moments? I don't know. I mean, it's probably a little bit manufactured. But I felt like I saw more humanity than I was expecting. Like, I think when we did our Singles Inferno show, Megan had talked about how reality TV for her had been, like, flavor of love, which... Unfortunately, I had not ever seen (laughs) um, Neither have I. for The Bachelor. And I found this to be, I found it, Singles in Front to be kind of more interesting than that. There were like elements of self-reflection and introspection, and it could just very well be like not a big deal if you're Korean, you're just like, yeah, yeah, like that's just like part of like what our shows would be doing, and we expect that. But for me, there was like, that was like interesting in seeing it, and I felt like I connected a little bit to it. But really, like, yeah, when you're looking at reality TV, you're not looking to, it's not a documentary. <laughs> and so, like, people are meant to, like, behave badly or salaciously, and that's going to be really good for the show.
0: Good. Yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about in a little bit. But first, let's do one of our favorite things that is, I think, a very positive part <laughs> of our show, even if we have not been uh, loving on a drama. And that is our K-pop rec of the week. So, Leah, what do
1: you have for us this week? You know, I'm going to go with something that came out this year. It's very, very popular, very played out and people have big feelings about, but I enjoy it. And that is going to be Blackpink, who I like Blackpink and I have fun I do listening too. to their music. I'm going to go with Shutdown. I listen to the song probably like once a week. It's part of like a hype mix I have. And I feel like it's just something that is catchy, earwormy gets me like shaking my booty in my minivan a little bit and yeah i just i think it's like an unabashedly simple yet fun song that makes me happy to hear so i'm gonna go with that like just something that you know we don't have to like it's not gonna be like indigo which i got into like the whole Nam june album recently on one of our recs. but this is just a song that i think you know it's fun to listen to and it makes me happy it's all i can ask for yeah. if you enjoy our podcast you have our patrons to thank, at least in part. Afternoon a Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoon Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, blow up your skin with k-merge find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback and hey while you're at it why don't you pop over to spotify or apple podcasts and leave us a five-star review it really helps with our discoverability Gamsamnida. so what kinds of things do you both like to do when you drive pay attention to the road is this a trick question All right, how about when you fold laundry? Why am I folding laundry in this scenario?
0: Read, friends. I was trying to get you to say read.
1: You could just ask us if we like to read when we drive or... Wait, how are you reading when you're driving?
0: With Audible. You know, our sponsor, who is the leading creator and provider of premium audio storytelling, enriching the lives of millions of listeners every day? I listen to audiobooks on my commute to work in the car.
1: Oh yeah, I totally do that. I love my Audible subscription.
0: Then why'd you leave me hanging with the whole driving thing? Forget it, it's not important. What is important is that now our listeners can get a 30-day free trial of Audible Premium
1: Plus from Afternoon of Delight. Do you know what they get with that free trial? Actually, I do. They get one audiobook credit, two if they are Prime members, which is good for any premium selection And they get to keep that audiobook they also get the whole audible plus catalog of podcasts like afternoon of delight audiobooks guided wellness and audible originals
0: and with the plus catalog you can listen all you want no credits needed
1: and audible sends you a reminder email before your
0: trial ends sounds like a great way to spend 30 days to me especially if you're heading outside for a walk have a long commute to work, or just want to hear one of many talented narrators really bring your book to life. All you have to do is go to www.audibletrial.com to sign up and you're ready to download your first
1: listen. Enjoy. Okay, so here we go. From here on out, we are kind of in that land of 37-year-old sexless vaginas past the land of dragons (laughs) known as the spoiler section so we're gonna be talking about this drama in detail you know we're gonna be sparing no spoilers as we do this so if you have not watched the drama and still want to without finding out who on kingdom of love goes home with who now it's time to hit pause and head over to vicky to check it out otherwise let's get to it what we liked which really was like a certain pairing on the reality show. What we didn't, which was some less than sensitive portrayals of a lot of things. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And whether or not Amy will actually watch a real reality dating show after watching this drama about a dating reality show. Did that make sense after I got that all out? I don't know, but let's get to it. As mentioned earlier, the drama spends the first four episodes setting up yeo rums conflict.
0: She's 37 and unmarried, and her cooking show is failing in the ratings, as is her flirtation with the show's host, the younger John Zhang woe is she, until her knight in shining armor, or her ex fiancé Kim and Woo, blows back into town after a few years in the US, claiming he still loves her and that he wants to try again. And that's kind of what split them up, is he wanted her to come with her to the US, and she's like, but I have a career, and he's like, but what about us? Blah, 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 they broke up. Of course, this is the catalyst to push Park Jae-hoon into realizing he's in love with Yoram. And this is
1: like all within like the first couple episodes.
0: Four episodes, (laughs) Yes. And to finally confess his feelings. But he waits too long, and Yoram gets re-engaged to Inwoo, only to find out on their wedding day that he got a woman pregnant
1: and a one-night stand in New York. And was she in love when she got married? Or was she just like, I don't want to die alone with the cats? No! This is, like, you want to talk about settling?
0: Like, she was well over him. But it was like, it was the whole, like, my vagina has cobwebs. Everybody expects me to do this. He's asking. There's a ring. And that's what it was. And I mean, we were only like a minute
1: into the drama, too.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. So this drama has some drama, which we love. But I have some thoughts on these first four episodes. In Woo, played by the gorgeous and 46-year-old Song Jong-ho is basically nothing more than what I said earlier, a plot moppet. His only purpose is to make Rum not mentally or emotionally ready to respond to Jehoon's confession when he finally tells her how he feels after the wedding that wasn't. I initially really liked these first four episodes, but after the fact, I feel a little duped watching her fall for Inwoo again, and then be forced to call off the wedding due to his lie of omission. So, (laughs) like, I'm not alone here, right? Like, what? Like, we... We talked about pacing a little bit, but like this guy had zero purpose in the drama, right? He was just yeah, there. I think it was conflict. to answer
1: that question of, you know, the writers are like, okay, we have to make this friends to lovers scenario work. These are two attractive people. They did meet each other, you know, they were younger, like wasn't like they were like raised in the orphanage together, like, you know, like they met as like, you know, people with hormones. They had a drunk kiss. And so, they had a drunk kiss. And then we're too embarrassed to talk about it. And yeah, so nothing which, like, happened. Okay. And so, you know, they were like, okay, we need to like have a reason. Like, what's our reason? What's our reason? Uh, 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 I guess we're going to have, you know, her be really afraid that like she's going to die alone with, you know, no vagina and cats eating her. And so immediately she's going to jump into this like settled marriage and boom, it all falls apart. And I guess to me it was dissatisfying because it made me not really love the care her character i don't like mm-hmm. to not like the heroine in a drama but i was like really like this is super subtly you have you know the hot friend that like lives in your you know they had a duplex like a house like one lived above the other really like you know i mean yeah. like yes he's gone through it for a while and there was like some mental illness on his side so i can get like that you weren't like totally ready to jump his bones during that period but like at the same time I was just a little bit like this is not the most interesting setup. Like I'm okay if like they weren't, you know. Like there needs to be some reason why this just doesn't feel like the right choice to me. And in any of it, we spent a lot of time building up this like, you know, I mean, four episodes. I mean, that's that's four hours of time, right? And I never once believed that she no, was. Love and we with knew it him wasn't going to go anywhere. So it's like, why are we spending all of our time right out of the gate when we want to be seeing kind of like the setup and see you know, like we want to kind of get into this world. And instead, we're spending a lot of time being like, wow, you really don't know yourself. And I'm not sure if you're a person I want to spend another, you know, 10 episodes, 12 episodes with 12 episodes with Yeah, so that's it. It didn't work for me. And I thought it was boring. So it's time to cast Kingdom of Love season two. That's kind of where we move after like the wedding doesn't work. So this character becomes like an assistant uh, PD to this reality TV show. The head PD is the ruthless Kong Che ri who will do anything for ratings. This person is a shark. And they're played by Jo Su Hwang. And thoughts on this character as a foil to Gu yo the PD who always plays it safe and keeps getting her shows canceled.
0: So even though I didn't like every decision the character made, I really liked Kang Chai Ri. Like this character had character, you know? Like these character foils were really a study in what it's like to grow up with love and support, which is Yoram's experience, versus without, which is Kang Chai Ri's experience. They both seem to pay their upbringing forward. Like Yoram supports everyone around her, often putting her own needs on the back burner while che sees everyone as a means to an end in order for her to feel worthy, even if that means using a contestant's trauma like Park Ji-Wan's on-air confession of being sexually assaulted. Che-Ri hates Yoram because she thinks Yoram has everything and never struggles. Yoram shows Cherry love and compassion even when the latter tries to make her life a living hell. Like, my hope right now is that they're BFFs and have run off into the sunset, like a la in and hyo from Little Women. Like, honestly, like, I was more invested in Kang chi than I was in Guya-Rum.
1: Same. I really, really hated her determination to use trauma to further the show, but I thought that it was an honest portrayal of, like, often what happens in reality TV. I feel like This is like a very clear example, though, of something that I'm going to point to over and over and over as we finish out like our review of this drama, which is taking things that should be dealt with, with a nuanced and thoughtful lens and giving it very surface level treatment. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's lots of aspects of this character that worked interesting for me and that like, you know, she was kind of like girl boss. Bitchy, you know, like that kind of archetype, which, you know, is often stereotypical, but there was a lot more beneath the surface, and there was like growth that happens. Pairing her against like the milk toast heroin. Honestly, like I just feel like that heroin, like they were just give like, yeah, that idea of like, oh, I just like want to be good to everyone. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I get it, but it was just like it just I know. felt very That was really all like yoram had was that she gave too and much. She of wasn't herself. even like that great you know i mean like i still didn't feel like she was like amazing with the hero like there was just a lot with her where she was like real good but also real dumb (laughs) and i was gonna say clueless clueless and completely unintrospective and that didn't make for like fantastic like wow i really am like rooting for this person and i also super hate coming hard for heroines because i feel as if like you know it's always easy to, like, throw them under the bus. But in this, I do. I just like how it was handled. So, all right. Moving on.
0: And I do want to point out, like, we are not knocking Lita He's performance no, no, at all. Because no, no. I do yeah. like her as an actor. I do like her as an actor. I think it was not a well Yeah, I think that they did what they could with character. what they had. I mean. Yeah. Okay, so... As mentioned before, Yoram gets reassigned from her failed ramen cooking show to Kingdom of Love Season 2. She comes in just in time to help with casting and is instrumental in putting Park Jiwon on the show, a contestant who was one of my favorite characters as far as Sun Hua Ryong's portrayal. But she was definitely cast as the frumpy, not Victoria's Secret model caliber contestant. And I feel like the drama's intentions were in the right place with having Gu Yoram championing a contestant who might otherwise get overlooked, But, and you already brought this up, like how things should have been dealt with in a very nuanced way, but instead were dealt with in a very surface level treatment. So talk to me, Leah, about the treatment of this character, who is basically the foil, speaking of more foils, to another contestant, Zhang Tae-mi. She's a contestant who is all about perception and looking perfect, even to the extent, and another thing that was dealt with very surface level, or really not at all, but even to the extent of going into the bathroom to make herself vomit after taking one bite of food that John jung prepared for her on their date. When we see Park ji in the same scenario getting, you know, when John jung cooks for her, she just gobbles it all up. And it's supposed to be like, you're either this or that.
1: I can't tell you how much I hate this. I hate it so much. <laughs> so first, I yeah. hate that we have... ED or an eating disorder treated as just like a throwaway moment. And um, and yeah. like you said, a foil to be like, look at how like, uh compared to this other person. However, the other person I'm going to impact of like, how shitty they get treated in it. Because it's not like it was like, oh, this one person's like bad and the other person's good. It's like, we're going to really just like fucking take down almost everyone in this. But under the guise of like, pretending like we're not, I don't know. So basically, look, when it comes to Jiwon, she is costumed ridiculously. And the writers have basically made her a caricature of a fat introverted virgin. And what's worse to me is I think that the show actually believed that they were handling her fatness well by connecting it to the fact that she sustained actual sexual abuse. And can body issues be connected to abuse? Absolutely. But should they be handled considerately if that's the case? Also, absolutely. And I'm going to argue that having this be kind of like a surface level treatment of like where we often are just seeing people remarking on this character being in a bigger body and when she has this like trauma that also gets milked for reading i mean like this is gar like i was like oh my god there's like this is just all it's horrible garbage and is moral garbage kind of often what happens in reality dating shows yes however this was the characters in the drama like that and then it would be like look at everyone else looks great but like ew they're vomiting and that sucks But then we have like the, like, I was just like, so does the writer like just hate women? Like, have, are like, you know, have they internalized like a lot of like blame and shame of like the experiences that women live in the society that were just not giving anyone sensitivity or treating them? Yeah. So I just feel like one of my huge issues with this drama was that a lot of very heavy material was shoehorned in, it wasn't treated with empathy. And I feel like it was actually just given lazy writing. And then we're meant to be like feeling rom-com vibes throughout it. And I was like, no, 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 no.
0: Yeah. I mean, like speaking of, you know, things being shorned in, we have another character, Soyeon, who she's another uh, female contestant. And she had mental health issues that are used basically as a vehicle to prompt a very dramatic moment for Rom which is her trying to keep Soyun from jumping off the balcony and is instead thrown over herself. Like the focus is on Yo-Rum putting everyone before herself and not taking a breather, rather than, oh my God, Soyun needs help. Let's give some attention to the girl who is not getting picked for any dates and design some activities that get her involved in the show. Like this girl never got picked for anything. And then there was a male counterpart, Hee. And he was the male contestant who really only ever got to be the butt of a joke. That was it. Rather than maybe pair these two up who are treated as outcasts and maybe let them find the happiness that no one else could, they just let them end up alone and still on the fringe while giving happiness to the couple where the one guy cheated and slept with Kang Chiri. ri mm-hmm. Like my mind is just like spaghetti thinking about all that. Here's a character that clearly needed some mental health help in Soyeon. And instead, she's used as a vehicle for the heroine. And then we've got this poor guy who just keeps saying the wrong word and everybody laughs at him and he's the butt of the joke. None of the women ever pick him and he loses out on getting picked by one of the female contestants because she chooses the cheating health club owner instead. I see zero redeeming qualities in the people who got to have happily ever afters, except for my favorite couple, who I would have watched an entire drama of, and that was Park Ji Won and John Jong.
1: So we talked about the plot muppet happening at the beginning, in terms of the like love interest that wasn't meant to be, who was like there to help kick things off, where you know the hero all of a sudden is like, okay, I am gonna like shoot my shot. Oops, it's too late. But like now I'm going to end up like kind of like in this dating reality show. Cause that was kind of like the, the premise is he ends up in this reality dating show to help her out. But yeah, my big problem is that a lot of these characters also had, it was like their traumas were all moppets <laughs> as well. Yes. So the bipolar disorder was a moppet. The eating disorder was a moppet. The sexual assault was a moppet. The being f- essentially fat in a society that denigrates bigger bodies, his trauma. And it was all dealt with is just like little moments to like move the conflict along because there wasn't actual conflict. And that's insulting and gross. Honestly, like, the more I think about it as we're doing this, I'm like, I'm getting mad now. I know. Cause I mean, honestly, like as far as the contestants are
0: concerned, what I really liked was John Jong, who I didn't think was going to be an important character. And he, was the one character who I think had, like, full growth. Like, he had a full arc as far as his romantic story was concerned. Like, in the beginning of the show, he has a fling with Guya Rum and makes her think that it was something more and humiliates her. And he seems like this, you know, completely shallow asshole, even when, you know, Kingdom of Love starts and he's one of the contestants. And he seems to take to Taimi because he thinks that they look good together. But then there's one day... Where he just needs to get off the property, and so does Park ji They both have their reasons, and he's about to drive away. And she's like, can I please just come with you? Like, can I, pl- I just need to get out of here. Can I please just come with you? And he's like, fine. And he's actually going back home to visit his mom, who just got out of the hospital. And he spends, like, the day with her, and she eats, you know, with his mom. And, like, they have this lovely time, and he admits that, like, he's been pretending to be someone that he's not. And I don't know, like, I felt the chemistry between these two and I bought their romance and it's the only romance that I bought like on the entire show except for the bffs in the restaurant and I
1: don't mind like in some kind of like an ugly duckling trope or something if it's handled like nicely and in this case right. like there were elements of their relationship that were handled sweetly but I still am going to say that like that pales next to the fact that like we're even going to say well g1 like we're going to vilify her for having a bigger body yes and yet we're going to celebrate the fact that she's going to clear her plate with him. Right. Unlike the other girl who's has a body that we're all valuing in the show and like holding up as like, you know, an ideal and yet, you know, acting like it's ridiculous that she has an eating disorder to maintain these unrealistic body standards. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah, and that's 100% like The thing that I did not love about it is the fact that every time we see her and John together, she's gobbling up food. It's like they have this like binary of you are either the frumpy chubby girl or the, you know, deprive yourself of any sort of, you know, real sustenance model type figure. Yes.
1: Like you can only be one or the other. And they made this character because, like, I've seen photos. Because I was also like, I got to see some pictures of what she looks like in real life. She's adorable. She's adorable. And they couldn't have dressed her worse and styled her worse. Like, they really were trying. Like, I mean, to the point where I was like, I'm having a hard time believing that anyone is going to be attracted. Not because of, like, their body shape or type, but because they are kind of dressed like... A person found under a bridge. <laughs> like like there's just like, you're like, what's yes. going on? Like why? Very this matronly. Person, like, like very matronly. It was like bizarre almost like and I was like, is it because she's meant to be like because she's also like had a very cool job. She was like a webtoon author. Yeah. So I'm like, is it meant to be that she's in like quirky outfits? But these aren't like cute quirky outfits. These are like just like she was dressing in clothes like my grandma would have worn in 1980. It was very 80s. You're right. It was like just this really fr- – I mean, it was just very much a focus on like how frumpy could we make someone look. Unless yes. people make frumpy choices. And I was trying to go with like that ugly duckling personality of like he was going to learn to like somebody beyond skin From skinny. the inside out. Yeah. Yes. But like I was like, I don't know if that lesson had to come through by making her look like she – purposely was trying to dress as horrifically as possible i know i know so i was like so you're not allowed to like it wasn't like she could just like have a bigger body by social norms in south korea and be wearing like some baggier clothing because maybe she was feeling insecure about it it was like no 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 we need to put her in basically like a muumu full of bows like how many bows can we give this person there are many
0: bows yes and I mean, they had her talk about being insecure about her weight, and then they always had her eating too. so i I just i can't I can't get past the like, and I'm not saying this is what it is, but this is how the drama comes off to me that like you're either Tami or you're jiwan that there is no like happy medium.
1: yes. And it was interesting that they gave Jiwon a happy ending because at one point I was like, I'm pretty sure that's where they're going with this. But, like, they seem like they kind of hate her so much. It's hard to know. Yeah. You know, because at the beginning we were talking about that. Like, in the first half for, like, is, you know, like, she is going to get a happy ending, right? Like, this is yeah. just going to be, like, horrible for her. but. Even when she got there, I was still like, "Fuck!" Like your character just got mishandled. I mean, I'm still never going to be over the fact of how they handled the disclosure of sexual abuse, and then like there was no real. I mean, it it just and honestly, it that was too much of a line for me to ever really root for any of the folks on the production team again. Right. I was like, really truly that's like moral garbage. Yep. You know, like come up with something else that's like a little bit less, like maybe she ran over a puppy once. I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, it just didn't have I mean, I was just like, Whoa, that's real heavy and we're not gonna like really address it again, except to be like, Oh, we're gonna like leak it for ratings. And I was like, Ugh, like
0: Right. <laughs> that's like having to say that Soyan was bipolar. Yes.
1: And the moment that Jiwon shared and disclosed her abuse was like a very impactful moment. Like she had a lot of agency in that moment of sharing it. And she went away and was like, you know what? Like I was really having like a human connection and decided to disclose that. And I decided that this this really wasn't the right time to do it. Like I shouldn't have done it with cameras rolling. And this is going to cause a lot of really negative impact to my family. And I believe her abuser was like a family member too, like an uncle. Yes, it was. And so she's like, this is just going to be a lot for like my family to take in. And this isn't the way that this news should be shared. And like, oh, well, was how the show handled it. And like, okay, like I get that. Except for the fact that later we're meant to like root for people who like made those choices <laughs> to be like, well, they've had growth. And I'm like, well, fuck man. I don't know. I mean, like this is a, I rom- know. Like, this is a rom-com. Right,
0: I know. There's just too much problematic. So let's just, let's close this out. Cause we haven't even talked about the actual like leads.
1: Okay. <laughs> Cause they're not so even barely the really, like that's And what they do about.
0: for the last 12 episodes, which is not spend the last 12 episodes together yet. We're supposed to bu- the first four. They're like mostly in flashback mode. Yes. We, that's really the only place we get to see their connection is in flashback mode. Like I didn't even realize they'd been friends for 20 years mm-hmm. until they went to flashbacks. Like I thought that they were just like neighbors and then all of a sudden, like, no, they've known each other for 20 years. Yeah. So here's the thing. So when Jaehoon does a favor for Yoram to be on the show, he ends up crossing paths with and getting paired up with Han Ji-yeon, who is a woman he was set up with on a blind date before the show. And he was a jerk on the blind date, but then he did apologize. And he basically told her, look, I've got mad feels for someone else. I just, I'm not the guy for you. But then they cross paths again on the show. And she basically, I mean, talk about like treatment of women. And this drama mm-hmm. was written by a woman. So let's mm-hmm. put that out there. But talk about treatment of women. So Jian's character basically, because t- she likes Hoon so much. She's crushing so hard for him. that She's like, you can just use me. Mm-hmm. Like, you can just use me on the show. And, you know, we can pair up and nothing has to happen. But like, you know, we can date each other for the show. And you can have your feels and, you know, pine for your other woman. Just fucking use me. Use
1: me up like an old tissue.
0: Yep. But of course, she falls deeper and deeper in love with him throughout the show. Mm -hmm. People are commenting, you know, on, you know, posts about the show and stuff like that about basically what a doormat she is. Because she is. Mm -hmm. And I just, oh, I, and, and the HEA that they give her at the end is that a fan of the show, approaches her in an art gallery because she's an art teacher and basically like that's going to be her potential happily ever after okay so i don't know and that but that's the thing like so jaehoon spends the entirety of the 12 episodes pretending to like hanjian for the show while yoram watches from the sidelines and then she falls off the building and they love each other happily ever after (sighs) bye-bye
1: No thanks to the bipolar person who gets no love.
0: (laughs) I still... Like, does that happen on dating shows where a person gets picked for nothing, so they just hole up in their room and, like...
1: Possibly, but this is, like, treating it like... Lose their
0: grip. Like, I mean, they kept showing her going for her pills, and I'm like, at first, in the beginning, I'm like, so does she have a drug problem? Like, you know, at first, they weren't, like, saying what it was, and I'm like, also, we're showing her taking antidepressants, which should be a good thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. I mean... Like I said, just a complete disregard and disrespect for, you know, mental health and, yeah, people who are in any way neurodivergent. I just, the whole thing, a hot mess. The relationship, I don't, I mean, halfway through the drama, I was like, I don't give a shit if the main character gets, like, I don't care if they get together. Like, I kind of, I was like, everyone needs therapy. Like, the two leads both need therapy. Yes. And kind of everyone needs therapy. Like, the end of this strike I was like, this strand would just put everyone in therapy. The leads should not be in a relationship with anyone, including <laughs> each other. And that's not, like, the vibe I wanted to get, like, my lighthearted like No, like, midway
0: like, through, I remember messaging you saying, so there's the first you know female lead and there's a second female lead and there's a male lead and i'm rooting for none of them like none of them like i felt bad for han jian but like also i hated and it's the writing that made her do it but i hated that she let herself be treated like that mm-hmm. because she loved
1: him so much which i mean that's not what love is either no so like you know like she had a lot of self worth problems and had somehow projected that the answers to everything lied in this fucking broken man who had never been able to self actualize his feelings for this other person who was unable to ever self actualize herself. <laughs> and so I was like, this is actually like kind of a tragedy and it's depressing unintentionally i seriously have gotten more upset yes. in talking yeah, about it for absolutely the hour because i also took big ga- i took big gaps in watching it too like i was doing other things and so i didn't sit down and just binge this through i started it being like i kind of like it and then after four i think it was after the first four episodes i was like "Ugh, like i'm not like yeah i'm not feeling it so much and then I kind of started to like watch it in chunks. And so I never sat down and did like the heavy binge and came out of it. So no, now yeah. I don't
0: either. Because I, I watched it live. Uh, I watched okay. it 100% So yeah, live. now talking it to me. So yeah. I was watching two a week. And again, I feel like this is the same thing that happened with like Cafe Dong. Is that I'm like, do I hate it? Like, do I like it? Like, I can't, you know, like you get two a week and I'm like, all right, so I guess I'm still kind of interested. And then I would, you know, go away for a week. And then I would be like, well, I guess I should just keep watching because now I'm like 10 episodes, in, you know what I mean? Like, but I
1: didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. And look, I also feel like a bummer because I feel like lately I've been like, bleh, to like a couple of dramas and I can't help it. It hasn't made me think like, oh, dramas aren't for me. And I've actually been watching some things I really like that um, we haven't talked about in the show. Like I'm watching Curtain Call right now and I quite like it. So it's not like I'm just like this hater for no reason. It's just that there have been a couple of dramas that haven't done it for me lately, but like- honestly like when i was like cafe minifuron's like my least favorite normal i just didn't enjoy the slapstick and stuff and i did but i wasn't sitting there being like i feel morally right bad. it wasn't pro- no, it wasn't like it. hugely problematic in like every area of life yeah it just wasn't for me yeah, look, I just didn't enjoy it, but that was fine. But this, I'm like, I actually, yeah, and you did. And that's, I think, again, fine. <laughs> but in this, I'm walking away. And this is where I feel a little bad because if somebody is watching or watch this and was like, I really liked it. Like, am I a garbage person? No, no but I, like, I still think that there were very, I would like to hear maybe. Give us a rebuttal. Like, yeah, I'd like to hear a, like a nuanced rebuttal as to, how you felt the treatment of a lot of these things were like how, why they didn't put you off. And I don't mean that. I mean like that's even, even that sounds judgy and I'm not trying to like, I will approach it from actual curiosity. Look, you're listening to two people who loved boys over flowers. So right. I mean, I'm okay with problematic stuff. I mean, when he told her to lick his (laughs) boot and boys over flowers, I was like, I mean, look, it's kind of (laughs) hot. I mean, like not in real life, in fantasy life, but like in fantasy life, it's not hot for me to be like, ew, you have an eating disorder. You're not worthy of like love, but like you're also fat and like you're kind of gross too. Like I was just like, what is happening? Why is everyone? Oh, I hate it. I I know. I do. I do. It's a, it's a hate for me actually. (laughs) This is.
0: I've decided that. I, I mean, I honestly, cause you've heard me talk about my huge disappointment in personal taste which I mm. really wanted to love so much because you know Lee Min Ho and Sunny Jin oh and goodness. I just unseated it this is unseated it wow yeah. look at here's a yep this is I mean like there's definitely some problematic stuff in that because he's impersonating a gay man, but.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we're like, what's the, who wins the problem? Right, who wins, like, but like,
0: this ticks off too much. I mean, cause it is, I, I really think what it comes down to is that
1: this drama is a horrible treatment of women. For me, for me. Like, no, I think it really just, I mean, this is where I'm having a hard time of being like, I'm interested in a rebuttal, but, like, to me, truly, I don't see, like, I'm not going to be, I guess it's just if somebody feels compelled to share it, but I'm not looking to be convinced because I feel pretty settled and okay with how I'm feeling about this. Yeah, agree. Like, there really is, it's just, it didn't, and I think, like, I think what I'm struggling with, too, is that I believe that the drama was well-intentioned. I do think that. Yes. I do think that there was an element of well-intentionality. And I don't think that they were like, oh, I'm going to write something to just like blame and shame everyone. I feel as if it just was, uh, actually, I don't know if I want to say well-intentioned. I think it was n- not intentioned. Because it was just a willful using of horror, like big issues people grapple with. Yes. Just to further plot along because there was no story. And I like really am offended by that.
0: Yeah, that's. What, I mean, every person, every person who was not a lead was a plot moppet for the leads, and the leads had nothing else, basically. Without that, yes.
1: So, so there, <laughs> I mean, there, yeah, there you have there it. You have it. <laughs> I feel sucked. uh my joy was sucked out in this drama, and I feel I need mad. a palate cleanser. I do too. I think, uh,
0: I think, uh, I think we need to watch something that we know we love.
1: I think it is time that we, are we going to disclose what we're going to be doing? I mean, if we say it, we have to do it, right? Like, well, we are doing it, yeah, but I don't disclose it because I think it could be fun for folks too. We have decided that something we've talked about doing, we talked about doing it last year and we didn't. Is we did like a speed,
0: gonna- we did like a speed, like we watched our favorite parts, but we didn't, we didn't watch the. No, I don't think anybody made it the whole way. Because we did do a a pod about the drama. You did? We did. Yeah, we did. So we might be be unveiling a lie because we might have said that we watched it. But we didn't. We didn't watch it all the way through. And that is
1: Crash Landing on You. Yeah, Crash Landing Landing on You. Yeah, Crash Landing on You. We are going to rewatch Crash Landing on You. This will be the first time I watched Crash Landing on You in two years. And I have a lot of dramas under my belt now. And I'm really curious to see where it hits me. And so, yeah, over the holiday season, I'm going to be rewatching it and seeing I'm confident. how it confident. I'm confident that it's going to. I mean, like,
0: so this was our first drama. And I watched Crash Landing on You and then went right back to episode one. And wa- I mean, so I watched Crash Landing on You twice back to back when I first started
1: watching dramas. Same, same, except I didn't watch the last episode. The second time it was too much.
0: <laughs> it is. It's a lot. It's a lot. And, the, like, and when I'm I
1: rewatched Goblin, the I've only watched Re- Goblin once,
0: and I'm still and slowly I going. I'm at, I just I finished ten of Goblin. Like I feel like I'm I'm going much slower because it, it is it's gonna break me. To, but I'm gonna watch it all the way through. But it is uh, like speaking of holding up, like that's holding up too. So yeah, so. You know what? There's going to be dramas out there that we love. There's going to be dramas that we don't love. And same for all of you. There's going to be dramas that you love and dramas that you don't love. We have created a platform to talk about it, but we want you to talk about it with us. And we never want any of you to feel like you should feel bad for liking what you like. Because, like we said, we love a problematic drama, too. We just don't love this one. <laughs> Truth. All right. Well. All right. Thanks for listening if you made it all the way to this 90 plus minute end. And
1: <laughs> I don't want to say I'm jealous of Megan for having COVID and missing out on watching this, but <laughs> on that note. I know.
0: I know. Annyeong. Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to afternoonadelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T.